Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMM, and welcome to the MMM Podcast for the week of June 1st, 2021. It took the death of George Floyd for many in the healthcare marketing industry to realize we needed to have a hard conversation about race. But we haven't because conversations about race, frankly, are hard. This week, we continue a segment begun back in March. On each of these quarterly segments, agencies from the membership of the Medical Advertising Hall of Fame will appear on the program to talk about how they're progressing along the journey to diversity, equity, and inclusion. During each episode, we'll hear from two agencies about how they're going about these difficult conversations and more. Maybe you're an agency that set some minority hiring goals but didn't know how to attract diverse candidates to your agency. Maybe you're an executive who issued what you thought was a heartfelt message of tolerance amid this past year's national reckoning with racism and received backlash for it. Or maybe you've considered either of the above, but were paralyzed by a fear of not exactly failing, but for fear of not wanting to do something that would be perceived as insensitive to certain audiences. And this podcast is for you because the three execs gathered with me here have lived through some of those decision points, and they're going to share with you in a frank discussion how they've managed through them. And joining me are Juice Pharma's Forrest King, founding partner of that agency, uh, along with Harrison and Star's Mario Mireda, CEO, and Paulette Robinson, EVP Operations and Services. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Excited about this, uh, this episode. Uh, we'll get back to the interview in a moment, but first some housekeeping items. The brand has a number of initiatives, but these are just a couple that are most near term. Please join us for the virtual MMM Hall of Femme Collective and Awards Ceremony taking place this Thursday, June 3rd. Check out the list of standout women healthcare execs and register for free at mmmhalloffemme.com. And join us virtually less than a week later on Wednesday, June 9th for the first ever MMM Pinnacle Awards program, celebrating those in our industry for their career excuse me, for their career achievements. Check out the Pinnacle inductees and then celebrate these legends by registering for free at mmmpinnacleawards.com. And as always, you can find out more about these events at the all new mmm-online.com. Okay, back to the second of our four-part series exploring how MOF member agencies are progressing toward diversity, equity, inclusion, and to the interview with Forrest, Paulette, and Mario. First things first, let's just acknowledge that the conversation on race is a fraught one, but we have to start. And starting means not being afraid to make mistakes. To those out there wondering, sure, you guys are talking about DEI because you've got it figured out. Actually, none of us, with the exception of Paulette, is good at having these conversations. All right. So, uh, you know, in thinking about um, the notion of not being afraid to have mistakes, uh, actually, it's going forward with the understanding that you will make mistakes, and it is kind of scary. Uh, so um, making mistakes is inevitable. And, you know, for myself, being a, a, a white male in my 50s, um, I'm a little far away from the minorities. However, I am also gay. So that puts me a little closer in touch with the minority. And still, I still am afraid to make mistakes in having this conversation. But not having the conversation is also not an option. So you just jump in feet first and start talking. Yeah, agree. You know, um, someone I admire very much who teaches at Harvard, his name is Tom DeLong. A quote that I will never forget from him is, uh, the conversations we aren't having begin to define our relationships. So I think, you know, we realized that this was a conversation we weren't having and we should have been having. And we as an agency decided, you know, 
one of the things we're not going to do as Harrison and Star is we're, we're not going to throw money at this problem. Um, this is not a throw money at the problem kind of problem. This is a let's 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 throw our hearts into this and, mm -hmm. and do the hard work and start by at least having the conversation and acknowledging that there's so much more we can do than throwing money at this. We got to put some passion and some some strength behind it. So with that as a backdrop, you know, let's talk about DEI pain points, so to speak, for agency executives. One of them is fears. You know, I'm I'm not black. I'm white. I'm not going to get it perfect. In fact, I might do something that's well-intentioned uh, and it might, you know, bounce back at me. Forrest, talk, talk us through, you know, that sort of crucial decision point for any, any agency exec. Yeah, it's true. It's um, the fear of not getting it right, you know, as, as, as a white male in this last year talking a lot about Black issues, um, there, there is a, there's a lot of hesitation in the language that you use, um, the things that you say. Um, are, you, are you really speaking um, on behalf of any particular group? So all of those things are very complicated just in terms of thinking about talking about the issue. So I think doing a little research, trying to understand what it's like, especially to be Black in America, um, that requires some homework for most people. And I certainly can't pretend to get close to the complexities around that, but I certainly am open to learning about it and trying to learn about it. And that's where we started as a company um, and being the head of the company, that's the, the um, I guess the framework or the culture that I'd like to set within JUICE so that we can have these conversations without too much fear of making mistake, as long as we're earnest in wanting to understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, and that's that's a point you you made earlier offline was uh, the importance of being honest, and when we make mistakes, and the importance of owning them. That that was very well said, um, Mario. What what should an agency owner or CEO keep in mind when uh, he or she is crafting internal messaging? Uh, I, I think there are a couple of really important parts to, the, to this question. I think one is um, to speak from the heart. Um, I, I think oftentimes, you know, and it goes to, to, to fear and your earlier question to Forrest and some of what Forrest shared. I think oftentimes leaders, uh, when, when we're initiating conversations that we're not used to having, we tend to overly parse our words and we tend to be, we tend to, you know, PRC ourselves as we craft the message and, and what ends up coming out the other end is something that feels insincere and mechanical and devoid of emotion. And uh, I think most of us as leaders have plenty of emotion. It's what makes us good leaders. And we get, we get, we're, we get confused and afraid to express it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think I would start with come, come from a place of empathy and understanding and emotion and don't be afraid to share your emotion. If one of your emotions is fear, it's okay to say that one of your emotions is fear and say, you know, I, I, I say this to you today coming from a place of, you know, confusion and fear and frustration and genuine care for all of you. I, th I think speaking from the heart is really important. I think it's important to remind people that, you know, sometimes what happens in society can be really dismaying to us. But I think reassuring people that what happens out there isn't going to happen in here is a really important message for people to hear. And I think be truthful in saying, I want this place to be safe for all of you. And if it doesn't feel safe for you right now because of what's happening out there or in here, I wanna know. I'm here to make this place safe for you. 
And only when you're safe will we all feel safe together. So I think, you know, honesty, transparency, and, and a little bit of humility um, and genuine humility, I think is really, really important in having these conversations. Yeah, I, I think that the fact that, you know, you take that duty of care seriously um, is, is a beautiful heartfelt message um, and is a great, you know, point to work, work from. Um, Paulette, can, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, talent recruitment? You know, I, you know, agency executives have made um, diverse, diversity hiring goals and commitments over the last year. Uh, but a lot of them, I would imagine, are, are struggling a tad in, you know, in, in trying to fulfill them. Um, talk about, you know, maybe the need to, to get creative in, in, in uh, fulfilling those commitments. Yeah. So I think first I want to thank Forrest and Mario just for, for that honesty. You know, if you let fear stop you, it said that um, silence is acceptance. Right. And so if I, if I never hear from you, what I will assume is that you just accept what's going on. I prefer you to stumble than not say anything. And that is if I could give any executive who's struggling in this area advice, it would be say something. And and to Mario's point, um, mean it. <laughs> mean it. I can't argue with your love and your sincerity. There's no argument there. But you know, so so if we assume that we get over the hurdle of saying something to the doing, um, then we do have to talk about now. Let's put you know, let's bring action to this. And one of the best ways is to diversify your agency because that's how you're going to make a change. I, I just was working on a project with a team, and they had to to work on a pretty uh, challenging and diverse um, creative product, and they were terrified. And afterward, I, I just wrote them a note and said, "I'm proud of you because you brought life to something you had been only studying through our DE." trainings, right? But what will make that even better is when there's somebody sitting on the team with you who can teach you about that before it hits my eyes or someone else's eyes, right? And so um, so, so I think it's, it's really important when you start to put legs to, 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 your, to your thoughts uh, and your actions, it is to recruit um, and be, be bold in that recruitment and be creative in the way that you go about that recruiting. Um, you know, nothing's off limits. Uh, it, you know, Mario always tells us like, hey, you know, we're all swimming in the same, looking in the same pool. We gotta be really creative in where you look. Hey, if you had a really great experience with a wait person at a restaurant, talk to them about what their goals are. They might be your next superstar account person, right? Yes, please. One hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it, it's uh, it, it, so once you take that step beyond the fear of saying something, then ride that wave of boldness, and it's okay if you don't get it perfect. Somebody mm -hmm. will help you. And you know, bringing your DE and I plans to life. I think that's a really nice um, yeah. idea. Um, theme for this whole whole um, episode here, as a matter of fact. All of that being said, you know, mistakes do happen. Um, and so, you know, the next bullet point I have here is, should you need to apologize, you know? And, um, you know, Mario, you, you told me that, uh, you know, you saw uh, an incident transpire elsewhere in the advertising world that, that you took a lesson from. And I was wondering if you could, you know, kind of take us through that and what you learned from it. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was really, really interesting, frightening, inspiring 
all of those emotions bundled into one episode that happened, I guess, several months ago now in advertising. Ad Color, who we all know and love, uh, earlier this year announced that they were formalizing their relationship with Droga5 as their agency of record. And that announcement, I think it, it, uh, it felt like a pretty brisk and brief announcement that just kind of hit, you know, hit press several months ago. And to, to, be, to be honest, many of us hadn't noticed the announcement really uh, as it had gone out, but it became very, very prominent in front and center uh, as people noticed that, you know, AdColor, who is an organization that was, you know, built on the foundation of, you know, really representing people of color in advertising, in the business, in the work, et cetera, you know, would hire a non-Black, Indigenous people of color agency like Drova5, there was a big conversation online around like, how did that happen? Shouldn't ad color really be furthering the mission by hiring a BPOC agency as their agency of record? What's going on? And there was a lot of emotion and commentary online and rightfully so. So, and, I, and I'll say, you know, as a white dude in advertising, I didn't get it and I did get it. I, I didn't get it because, you know, I'm, I'm a white dude in advertising. Right. Um, so there's there's part of the experience that I just I don't have because I'm a white guy in advertising. Uh, but I do get it and that I understand why people would ask that question. Yeah, you know, what fundamentally what happened here? And I have to give Tiffany Warren a ton of credit. You know, within a couple of weeks of this announcement and all the questioning coming out online, you know, Tiff and some of her leadership team and some leadership from Droga Five were on a podcast. And I will tell you, you know, Tiff founded Ad Color. So, you know, this is a pretty, you know, big attack on on, on Tiff, and, and, and if you've ever met Tiffany Warren, you know how seriously she takes this mission. This is a big deal to her. Uh, what a masterclass in owning, you know, a, a, a very simple error that likely happened and how this was communicated. Tiffany started by saying, I understand why so many of you are upset with this communication and this announcement. And I wanna start by saying, I'm sorry to you if you're upset by this, I'm sorry how it was communicated. I'm sorry if you feel like your expectations weren't met. I own that, I apologize. Let me explain to you how far back our history with Droga5 goes. Let me explain to you how closely we have been working with Droga5 over so many years. Let me explain to you the financial and operational commitment that Droga5 has made to us. Let me explain to you how diverse this organization is that's supporting us. So she started with the apology and she meant it and you could tell that she meant it. She explained the decision. She explained the context behind the decision. Her counterparts were there to support her in that decision and discussion. I, I think it was a masterclass in, in, in owning an oversight or an omission, speaking with sympathy and empathy and understanding your audience, but then owning the decision and saying, you know, this was our decision and we stand behind this decision and here's why it's good for us. And here's why it's good for advertising and here's why it's good for diversity in advertising. So a uh, masterclass and, and a really good learning experience for me and, and I think anyone who listens to the podcast. Yeah, well said. Let's uh, kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, setting commitments and something I've, I'm sure all agency execs are you know, grappling with. And obviously there's a number of bullet points underneath that. You know, you have diversity metrics for your agency, perhaps, you know, uh, closing the gap, you know, in diversity and in, in the leadership, you know, all the way through to, um, you know, entry level to mid-level. Um, how you how you manage brands differently, you know how you take a more of a diverse approach to to therapeutic categories, and and how you advise clients, and how you partner with clients. But um, how about we start with kind of divert, you know, setting diversity metrics, um, you know, um, 
Mario or, or Paulette, you kind of want to talk about your general approach to that. You know, it's, it's not really, it's not quotas, but it's, it's rather matching the demographics of who you serve to the marketing teams, right? I would say it's, uh, there are a couple of things. One is just fundamentally acknowledging that, that our population of employees is not as diverse as the U.S. population as a whole and nowhere close to the level of diversity that exists on the East Coast. So we have a long way to go as an organization. Am I gonna set a quota? No. Am I gonna do better than I'm currently doing? 100% yes. Absolutely, we could, because we can do better. Uh, so that's number one. N number two, I think it's the diversity of the, the people at Harrison and Star, the work we do, uh, it, 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 ha it has to be reflected in the work or the work we do is not gonna respect or reflect the people out there who the products we're helping to market are intended to help. And I don't know how we're gonna build a diverse, a diverse creative product if we don't have the diversity within our four walls at the agency to begin with. So we, if for the work to represent the people it's meant to benefit, the agency has to represent the work as well. And right now it doesn't, and we have to do much better at that. Paulette, what's your take? <laughs> I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? It's, we can talk about it. You can, you can try to go it alone, but you really cannot, right? So you have to acknowledge what you don't know. <laughs> and then, um, you know, do your best to get the, the right folks in there who can um, partner with you to get you beyond where you are, you know, and that can come in a lot of different forms, right? So being very open to how you learn and how you get exposure to, to what you don't know. It's really admitting, I don't know this, and then I need help and finding the folks who can help you because they're there. I was going to add on to the finding the help part. When you are creating, you know, Mario, you mentioned creating the creative, the, uh, the creative product that we put into the market. And there's a simple, uh, you know, matter of respecting the people who you're talking to out in the world. And, and what goes into, for example, a photo shoot or an illustration or the language in a campaign or the tone of voice, all of those things matter and it's respectful to the audience. And if you don't have someone on staff, if you have a gap, a knowledge gap on your team, there's no excuse for not finding that expert out there. And a, a few years back, I'll give you an example. A few years back, we did a photo shoot that featured um, a lot of different women from the Middle East. And you know, rather than thinking we could cover it, we hired an expert who came in and it was such a learning experience to understand even the subtleties of, of fashion, the subtleties of makeup, the colors they would wear, one group versus another group. All of those things, we could have ended up in so much hot water, um, but it was successful. And I think what the creative team and the account teams at our company learned through that process is there's a lot that we don't know. And as a bunch of people sitting around a room trying to guess what a certain culture is like, you know, for example, a, a, a black uh, man from Atlanta could be very, very different than a black man who grew up in Connecticut, right? So you can't assume that, uh, oh, I'm just gonna put the photograph of the face in there and everything else is gonna fall in place. Have the people in the room, find them buy them if you haven't hired them already. Get a consultant, they're out there. 
Well said. Um, Forrest, uh, hopefully we could stay with you for another moment. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how JUICE perhaps is, is building this approach into its processes, briefs, you know, how you generate creative, how you structure teams, kind of how have you kind of taken the approach to DE&I from the inside out? Yeah, so I, I think it's mostly living it. Um, you know, I think maybe Mario or, or Paula, you, you guys talked about building this into the brief itself, I think, right? That was in our last course. Yeah, yeah. You, you live it, right? You make it part of the conversation. And then it becomes, it becomes part of who you are as a culture. And another very, very quick example of a success story was we were involved in a pitch not long ago. It was a, an oncology product for men, for an oncology disease for men. And we ended up winning the pitch. And what we heard on the other side, you know, a couple of months later, when all the, everything comes clean, you know, when people are talking about why they made the decisions during the pitch process. Well, there was an African-American woman on the client side um, and this disease actually skewed. There were, there were a large number of African-American men who, you know, suffered from this condition. And in our creative work, we simply featured in the pitch, a diversity of men. When we presented, we didn't say, this is a black man, this is a Latin person, this is, is, is a white man of a certain age. We just talked about men. And at the end of the presentation, which, you know, it was, it was a great presentation, but after we won the business, the woman said, basically, you know what, thank you for not saying anything. Basically, it was just a given that it was all inclusive. And for her, she didn't feel like a spotlight had been shined directly on her and it pitched like, we're gonna to talk to the African-American person in the room. It was all inclusive, we were all in it together. And that's what it feels like to live it. And that's what it looked like to live it. There was no effort, it just happened. Um, it was not premeditated on our part to try to win, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, it's like, it's not a sub-segment of a segment. It's, uh, this is our population. And, and the sooner we, we acknowledge that our work has to speak to our population, I think the faster the work is going to get better and reflect them. Yeah, and, and Forrest, you're right. We did, um, we did write it into to our briefs, right? One of Mario's mon mandates, in, in addition to we will not throw money at this, uh, was, you know, it be we have to relook at how we work, right? So if we look at everything we do, does it really encompass, are we being inclusive in the way we approach our work? That was one thing. But the other thing was bringing your clients along. Right. It is challenging them to having those hard conversations with them. It's where do you stand on this? And I think that was we learned that really early on that Mario was not afraid to bring this up to our clients. Hey, we're doing this. This is how you're going to see us change. And and he was met with excitement which opened some doors for some really interesting collaborative work with one of our bigger clients. Um, so we were able to get something off the ground pretty quickly with a client. And that was so exciting. So bringing them along um, 
you know, is, is really, really important. And I think that's an area where, where folks struggle, right? Because we already know it's hard having the conversation internally. And now you want me to say something to my client and I don't know how to say that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't even think that crossed your mind, Mario. You just were so excited about what was happening. I just picked, I just picked up the phone and called them. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I say this often, I think, we need to give our clients a lot more credit sometimes on the tough issues than we do. I think they struggle with a lot of what we struggle with and they're just looking for a partner to, to give them some of the courage too. And, and I think that's where, you know, if we go back to the beginning of this conversation and we talk about, you know, humility and transparency and honesty, you know, if we have that kind of relationship with our clients and we can say, hey, we're really upset about what's going on out there too. And here are some of the things we're doing to address that. We give them the opportunity to say, oh, wow. I can't like that sounds amazing. I want to be a part of that with you because we're struggling with the same thing. And maybe we can work together to do something that's actually going to change something. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we have to give them a lot more credit. And that's a perfect segue to uh, the next uh, point I wanted to talk about. And that's that there is an appetite to partner on these kinds of initiatives amongst the client base. Right. Uh, courage is contagious. Yeah. Courage is contagious. And in this arena, it's not an option. The health disparity issue is, it is just, it's mind blowing. When you look at, at, at parts of, not even, the, you just look at one neighborhood to the next and one set of people is living 20 years longer than another set of people. What we do matters. If we can teach physicians, if we can teach reps and reps can teach physicians and physicians approach the way that they um, interact with their patients differently, then we're winning. Right. And so everywhere that a difference can be made, we have to know that we can play a part in it. And so bring your clients along is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And now at uh, HNS, uh, and, and also I should, uh, let me just take a step back. You know, we, we just finished at MMM our big uh, June Agency 100 issue. And uh, many agencies, as you can imagine, you know, talked about their uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And some of them um, went so far as to brand uh, the initiative. And Harrison Starr, you guys uh, have your own branded initiative called Color of Health, if I'm not mistaken. You know, talk about that and, you know, why you decided to you kind of brand it. Uh, so I'll start and Paulette, uh, you can help me fill in some, some, some of the gaps. So we, yeah, we, we created an initiative because, again, we decided we have to take action. And we are a leading healthcare agency. We've been in healthcare for 30 years. How do we use what we do best to help make a difference, a real difference out there to, 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 to make the gap smaller and actually make a change that's going to positively impact people's lives? And one of those areas is, you know, we work in a lot of different therapeutic areas. And I would venture to say that 90% or more of them show a health disparity between white Americans and black Americans. And we're a leading healthcare communications agency. We have 30 years of experience in the space. This is what we do. So our mission is how do we close the gap of health disparities between white Americans and black Americans? And if we can achieve even a, a tiny bit of closing in, in the next couple of years, just through our own efforts, that, that we'll consider that a win. We work with the top clients in the business. So we decided, you know, let's, let's put our money where our mouths are and let's create an initiative called Color of Health, whose objective is to end the health disparities that exist in the, in the United States between white and black Americans. Let's not be fearful of going to our clients to make this change. Um, we, built, we built a whole process around color of health. We ask questions around health disparities in all of our briefs. We ask them in our brand review processes. We've had conversations with every single one of our clients. We will continue to do so. 
And again, our objective is to improve the health of Black Americans by closing the disparity that we know exists. It's documented, it's statistical. It's there in almost every therapeutic area. We can help make a difference there and our clients want to help too. Paulette, what did I miss? Nothing at all. I think though, I will say that by branding what we were doing in the agency, it, it sent a message to the agency, right? This wasn't just another like, oh yeah, Mario's telling us we got to do this thing and we're going to... We're gonna throw it onto a piece of the brief. No, it, it's it's a living, breathing, actionable um, part of who we are as an agency. And I, I really believe like with just in a short period of time, people were so excited to, to let the color of health team know what they had accomplished with their clients, right? So like, you know, we had a team that, that got a little bold. They had an opportunity to redo some creative for a piece and they made it more diverse. And the response they got back from the client was, it's about time, let's do this, right? So they were, it just gave them wings, right? We had an, another group that said, we have this incredible um, color of health team. Can we put some, some cre our photo shoot in front of you? And they got back some, some feedback that the client was so ecstatic to receive and, and said, I would have never thought of that. Thank you so much. So it-, it Are you gonna mention the pitch we just did without naming the client? <laughs> you gotta do it. Come on, Paula, talk about the pitch. It, 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 you know, we got wings and we were able to, to go into a, to an, a really exciting um, pitch to, to uh, address some uh, health concerns for black and Hispanic women uh, as the color of health. And that was, Oh, it's been, it was so, and we went in with just the heart of it. You know, everyone is so, it's not just another thing. It's not, it's not just some branded thing. It is truly, everyone has brought their heart to this. Uh, and I don't even know if we expected that when we started, but I am really blown away by um, how much it has influenced and encouraged internally and just outpoured externally. Now, um, sometimes, you, you branding it helps, you know, if you're pitching business under that brand and it also sends a message internally, as you, as you both mentioned, but sometimes you don't need to brand it, right, Forrest? I mean, you were talking about how, you know, you didn't necessarily have a big conversation about it, but your creative is inclusive, um, which is ultimately where you want to be, uh, but you, you at Juice didn't, didn't necessarily take the, the, that same approach, right? No, you know, after talking with you guys, Paulette and Mario, getting prepared for this, I really thought about um, you know, the program that you put together um, and incorporating things into the brief. And I'm inspired to you know, go back and try to build some of those things into our culture and into our process. And I was wondering, wait, you know, did I miss something here? Am I falling down? Am, am I falling asleep at the wheel? Um, but you know, I think given that, you know that we are gay-owned, that we're a women-owned company. Um, the conversations since our first day of opening have been a little bit different from, you know, traditional agencies. So there is sort of this cultural difference that was built in from the beginning um, that we've been able to build on. I think where we did fall down um, and where we've done much, much better is, um, on varying ethnicities. And uh, we've been really focusing on that. And we've spent a lot of time on programs for youth, right? So career development, we're, we work with a program um, called SALT, 
which is a creative photography-based program for kids in, in inner cities that don't have the same opportunities. And those types of things from the bottom up excite our folks internally because you can't really manufacture heart, the heart for something. And Paula, you just made me think of that phrase. You can't manufacture the heart uh, or the soul or the emotion of this belief. But when you see people get excited about it and they act on it and you guys in the pitch, you just talked about how every, you didn't expect it to be so energized and people to believe in it so much, but it appeared and it appears from the top down from the bottom up and you can't manufacture that heart and that passion. But obviously when it's there, there's nothing like it. Your, your client could feel it in the pitch, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you know what, Forrest, you just said that. And, you know, it, one of the, the great learning lessons in multicultural advertising is that it is a bottom-up uh, exercise, right? You're not going to walk into these communities with your big names and your big brands and get people on board. That is not how you do it. But you 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 have to go in. They, you know, will respond to, to sincerity, right? There's a lot of skepticism and a lot of, you know, I don't care about your big name, you know? So it is, it, it, it is a, it's a bottom up. It is having the people right there in the communities that they know and trust to speak to them about uh, the issues and not tied to anybody's company. Right, as much as it's tied to your health matters, what what's right. what's happening for you, Matt? You there's a food desert here. How can we change this? You need transportation to get to that screen. Whatever it is, it is finding out what the issue is and working from the bottom up, but not pushing things down. So that that's one of the you saying that. That's why people get energized, right? right? Because wow, look at where I'm able to work and help and see uh, uh, somebody grow. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, um, you know, social determinants of health, Paulette, um, you know, I, I know you wanted to say a couple of things about the importance of pulling it through. Um, for instance, you know, you, okay, say you, you, you hire somebody from one of the diverse communities that, you know, need to be represented uh, in, in your marketing. Uh, but you also, that's just the beginning, you know, you need to foster an inclusive environment, for, for, for black and brown people um, so that they, if they're in a room say, you know, and something doesn't look, look right to them to have, to have a speak up culture before allowing something to go through the door say that that shouldn't. Uh, but, but talk about, you know, the importance of, of pulling through um, from your point of view. Absolutely. It's funny, Mari and I were on a call right before this together. And, you know, we were, we're, we're talking about a bunch of different things. And, and one of the, the topics that came up was exactly that like I can get you in the door but I want you to stay right so how am I nurturing you uh when you get there and part of that is how you know it, and, and we're on the road to this and I hope that a lot of our agencies is, are, are on the road to this is um training who's there presently right so if I'm going to be the manager of this person um just being being open and trained and, and understanding um, 
you know, just how to nurture and encourage someone so that it is an inclusive environment, right? You know, without saying, oh, hey, you're the black person in the room, tell me what you think, right? The other day I had such a, a personal great experience. Okay, I'm an executive in my company. You would think that I'm ready to speak up all the time. Well, I happened to be on a call with with a, with a, uh, a leader and I was listening because I was in uncharted territory that Mario had pushed me into. And, uh, Mario. <laughs> and what he, during the call, I was very quiet. I had points of view, but I was very quiet. And finally he said, Paulette, I haven't heard from you. What do you think? And it was liberating. <laughs> right? You would think like, I'm, I'm old. I've been in this career long enough. I should not have a problem talking. But in that moment, because it was uncharted territory, I was not sure what, if it was the right time. And so it's just that. It is saying, what do you think? You know, I'd love to hear your opinion and not in a patronizing way, but honestly care about what everybody in that room thinks. Don't allow anybody in that room to leave without sharing. And if, if they happen to leave, catch them on the side. You were quiet. What was your point of view of what happened in there? So it is creating a space that says your thoughts your contribution is more than what you're gonna hand in in your artwork or hand in in that written piece or edit or or route, uh, you know, as a PF. I wanna know what you think. And that is, that's inclusion. Everybody, in that, and it's not just the black person, it's the anybody in that room, ask them what they think. That's a game changer. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one one other point, I'll, I'll let you all go. Um, and it's it's semantics, you know, it's it's, it sounds simple, but it, uh, it, it's, it strikes fear oftentimes in, in the heart of, of us white guys. Uh, sometimes we just don't know the proper term to use. Uh, is it black and brown, people of color? Um, I think, you know, um, Paulette, maybe you said, you know, you know, offline that, you know, white people tended to go with African-American because it was a safer place to go to. And, you know, black didn't necessarily seem like it would be as safe a, a term to use. But, you know, Forrest, can, can you kind of get us started with kind of how you think about semantics, maybe some of the, the word choices that you've learned to, to use in, in, in marketing? <laughs> well, you know, after we talked about this, I, I, I've anguished over the Black African-American thing and, and sincerity, right? So do you refer, first of all, I don't think you should refer to people as Blacks or whites, you know, like that, that type of language, I find personally to be offensive. You can't roll everybody up. But if I do wanna speak about, you know, a group of black people, or I wanna say a group of African-Americans, what do I say? Well, African-American seems somehow lacking to me because I know that not every black person is African-American, but I worry when I say black, is there any connotation in there? Am I stepping on something that I'm not even aware of? So then I'm, I go all the way over to people of color. And that sounds so sanitized and insincere. However, I know that it's appropriate in some situations. And my kids learned brown when they were in school, brown people. I was like, that's pretty good in elementary school, the brown people and their white people. That makes sense. But then that doesn't quite include black to me. So 
I was all over the place. So I decided, you know what? I'm gonna forge ahead with, I'm gonna say black with confidence. And then throughout this interview, you, you heard me a few times, I stepped back to African-American. I shouldn't say stepped back, but I changed to African-American when I was talking about the, uh, the oncology uh, situation before. And I find myself sometimes in a work situation, especially in a client presentation, I'll choose, you know, I'll do, I'm going to I'm going to say African-American here because I'm not quite sure and it feels safer. So Paulette, can you help me? Please tell me what to do. <laughs> well, first I agree with you. Don't put the S on blacks. You're doing uh, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, I mean, don't overthink it because that's when it gets stumbly, right? I mean, and I think you you use your best judgment. There's nothing that you said when you when you mentioned the client being African American or saying a black woman or a black man that was offensive to me, at all, mm -hmm. at all. So don't overthink it. Is the person black? They're black. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? I mean, I don't I don't know how. There's no formula for it. You know, I think it is be respectful in what you're saying, how you're saying it. And and then, you know, and, and if somebody is uncomfortable with what you're saying, they'll let you know. Actually, it's so-and-so, you know, or I'll tell you, I'm black. Like, I don't, I don't know. We don't have to, it, it is, it's semantics. I'm not, I'm not minimizing it. I'm glad that you care. That is, that's great. Um, but it's when you when we overthink it and then we start to stumble and then it's a big thing. But I will tell you though is when you're writing it, make sure that black is capitalized. Ah, nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I can't give you a better, you know, answer or formula. There's there's not. There is sincerity and respect, and yeah. those go a long way. We're, we're having that cultural seismic shift when it comes to LGBTQ. My kids, uh, my oldest, my son is 16. And uh, he doesn't identify as straight male. You know, he uh, has tried to school me over and over again, and I keep getting the words wrong. Um, but and it frustrates the heck out of him. And he's like, "But you're you're gay. How could you not know this? Like, of anybody, surely you could keep this straight." But I just have to keep asking him over and over, like, "When you say this, what does it mean?" Um, so I guess that's what we all have to do. Just keep asking. Just keep asking. Keep asking, keep learning. Uh, this was cathartic, you know, for, for me. <laughs> I don't know about how you guys feel, but I want to thank you all for your sincerity and for taking our listeners through what may at times seem like uncharted territory, but for showing our audience how you all are working to create a safe space for DE&I efforts to take root and flourish in this industry. If you like this episode, please give it a like, subscribe on wherever, whatever platform you use to get your audio programming and help others discover the show. For Paulette Robinson, Forrest King, and Maria Mureta, this has been Mark Iskowitz. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.